Hey, Philip, uh, why did the non-binary prospectors uh, move into the Appalachian Mountains? Why is that? Well, there's gold in them there hills. Uh, uh, I, I hate to say that I've actually heard that one before. Yeah, um, that one's... So that one, I knew the punchline, uh, so I didn't didn't get quite as uh, exasperated of a reaction as perhaps it deserved, but... <laughs> yeah, that, that one has uh, definitely been around the block, but it's just such a good one that uh, oh, yeah, it yeah. was relevant for today's episode. Yeah, there's, there's uh, you know, it, the... It's... Turn on jokes are hard to find good ones, you know, that aren't just like the attack helicopter conservative meme, uh, the one joke that conservatives know and isn't funny uh, about uh, queer people. But, you know, uh, that one I feel like works because it's an actual pun. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So today we are going to be talking about um, uh gendered clothing uh for children babies uh and and young adults i suppose all kids um and and kind of all of the framework that exists around that uh, uh dressing boys and girls clothes girls and boys clothes such and so forth uh and non-gendered uh uh general i should say gender neutral baby clothing uh and uh the excessive genderization of baby clothing uh all of those topics um this may drag into a two-parter and that's okay if it does but uh, yeah, I think this is a good topic where we're kind of in two different places with um, I'm at the baby stage where you're just inundated with hyper gendered clothing and first baby stage where um, personal feelings about gender aside, I don't want to get hyper gendered clothing because I want this clothing to work for the next child too. Because uh, I don't, you know, like this this little dude is growing fast, and uh, there are outfits that he only wears once before he is beyond that. And uh, I'd like to save it for the next kid so that I get my money's worth. Although, if you were properly progressive, Tommy, of course you'd realize that you could get hypergender clothing and it would still be appropriate for whatever child that you have in the future. <laughs> you know, which I don't disagree with at times. I mean, like we actually, um, today we got some hypergendered clothing, um, for a specific reason. One item is a sleeper that is like a Valentine's day sleeper. So it's all hearts and it's like pink on the ankles and wrists and all full of hearts. And then the other one is a floral pattern that, um, can, uh, my partner got uh, because um, it'll match. Like she has a matching outfit, so like you know, her and her son have matching outfits, and it's each like it's it's two onesie. Uh, sorry, it's two onesies that are floral patterns. Very yeah, you know it's, from the I, opinion, from the opinion of most folks, it's gendered. I don't think it's gendered. I would wear the same floral pattern, um, but that's gender is. Gendered cl clothing and objects are all, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not objective, subjective. It's all subjective, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that was going to be my first sort of like stab was like, well, I mean, like in thinking, like in thinking about it just off the top of my head, right? Like when you say hyper gendered clothing, the only examples I can come up with in my mind are girl clothes, right? Like boy clothes. What's a hyper gendered boy clothes? Like, it's not like you got like baby onesies with like a big old bulge right in the legs, you know, like there's no like, <laughs> like, sure, there are like clothes that say like, I'm a cute boy or whatever, but like, it's not really hyper gendered. It's just like a, 
a onesie with like a statement on it. It, but like, you know, you would, you do think of like very frilly, lacy, like skirts and stuff like that as like hyper gendered. But like that right there is a little bit of the like normativity of the current, you know, culture or whatever, sort of like asserting itself in that way. Like to me, the hyper, the, the whole thing of like a hyper gendered clothing, right. Is sort of inherently, uh, has that kind of like element of um sort of like it hides um or it has hidden inside of it i should say um the um current normative standard for for gender but um you know because you can go back like i think famously like there's a what was it like teddy roosevelt there's like some president or maybe it was fdr i feel like there's some like really famous president uh like famous president that uh it's not one of the obscure ones that had a, uh, like has a, like a little baby picture of them wearing like a big, a frilly dress of some kind. Yes. And that president would be all of them <laughs> up until <laughs> a certain point. Um, be, and so like, and this is where um, I want to get into some of the history of gendered children's clothes specifically. Well, actually all gendered children's clothing because um, in, in, in European Western history, because in the 30 minutes of studying I did before this, that was the predominantly thing I found because we're extremely Eurocentric in all of our uh, examinations of history. Um, but in European um, Middle Ages and, uh, you know, historical history, uh, it was typically common for children up to the age of seven to be in a dress. Um, this was... For a variety of different reasons, partly, like, I, I've seen some historians say that it's because, like, wealthier parents um, wanted to, uh, this is an interesting sidebar, of they, that wealthier parents wanted to discourage crawling in babies because they thought that it was animalistic, um, and so it was, like, a bad thing for babies to do, to crawl, so they wore dresses to discourage that. I a little bit call bullshit on that. I mean, maybe rich people are in do some weird shit for weird reasons. I think the fundamental reason of having children, like babies wearing dresses and children who are not yet potty trained wearing dresses is because in a time before diapers, that that makes sense. Like, I hate dealing with pants on my baby right now. I am all about onesies. If you took away the ability for me to have zip-up sleepers and onesies and, and button crotch onesies, I'd be like, nah, this child's going in a kilt or a dress or something that is open at the bottom, and we just flip this thing up and change the diaper. Um, I'm not struggling with pants every time while he's slinging his feet around. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I, I feel very certain that historical people probably had some of the same thoughts. Uh, also, uh, historical people weren't able to order their clothes on Amazon. And their babies grew just as fast as our babies. And they were dealing with the same factor of this child keeps growing it's easier to expand on a simple dress and make it bigger. It's, uh, it, it, it seems like a simpler thing to do f to me. Now I'm not a expert seamstress by any means, but you know, my, my, uh, layman's perspective says that that makes sense for historical people. I'm getting a little bit off the rails. What I really want to hit at is it was common for babies to wear dresses all the way up until really about the 1950s. Um, but where we really start seeing it happen is right around the turn of the 20th century, thanks to Sigmund motherfucking Freud. 
So Sigmund Freud went on to this whole thing about how um, confusing gender when you were like young as a baby could cause you to have problems with your parents, which would then ruin your romantic relationships because Freud thought you secretly wanted to fuck your parents. And if you do enough cocaine and then write enough studies, people are going to take you seriously and then you're going to influence the entirety of human society for a time. And that's a real fucking problem that we need to work on in our society. And I really hate Sigmund Freud, but I digress. That's why most yeah. of our presidents wore dresses as babies. Yeah, yeah. For those of for those of you who uh, aren't aren't aware of our previous podcast, Molding Masculinity, if you'd like to hear Tommy uh, hate Sigmund Freud some more, there's some episodes you can go find there. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure there'll be more for uh, Holt Raisin Left as well. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a fan. <laughs> like, like he, I, I dislike pretty much everything about that the guy's analysis but i i want to be very clear i have no problem with doing cocaine but i do have a problem with doing cocaine if you're sigmund freud <laughs> if you're gonna do cocaine and and spew uh bullshit pseudoscience then i mean uh, I, I actually i were to kind of really briefly get into my problem with sigmund freud and his cocaine use was that he very frequently gave his patients cocaine and then coerced them into doing sexual stuff and it all it's real icky. It's real icky. Oh, gross. I didn't even know that. And, uh, and that's not like a, you know, he's not been me too if you will. It's just me analyzing what he has said in his studies and his sexual studies. And I'm just like, that's gross. You were drugging women and then having sex with them and then reporting on it as a study. And then for some reason, a hundred years worth of scientific uh, examination has been like, yeah, that's good. We're going to go with that. I am yeah. way off base, but yeah. there's uh, <laughs> it's the wrong podcast to talk about psychology and the reproducibility crisis and all the things that have been taken as fact that then uh, have suddenly uh, become more questionable. But uh, yeah. babies in dresses. Um, and so, right. yeah. <laughs> yes. And now and I will say, like, I do see more I, I do see more hyper gendered clothing for boys among babies now not more than there is girl clothing but more than there is for other you know, like other groups of kids um when you say like I, I, i'm legitimate if he's like when you say hypergender clothing for boys like can you give me an example because i don't nothing comes to mind for me um a lot of stuff with like son daddy on it uh like you know son and dad mm -hmm. and father and son um things that are very explicitly like um about you know, boys are this, boys are that. Usually stuff with word-related things on it. Now, and I do agree with you to a point in that, like, a lot of the things that I consider to be not very gender non-binary, um, a lot of people would argue is boys' clothing. These are things that are in blues and in uh, grays and such and then have dinosaurs on them or, uh, you know, spaceships or something of that nature. And people are like, oh, well, that's, oh, it has monster trucks on it, so that's for uh, boys. If it's I not disagree. pretty and pink, it's essentially for boys. Yeah, yeah. And I disagree with that analysis. Like, no, I'm, I, you know, I we intentionally got that stuff because later on when we have a daughter, uh, we're going to put her in that because it's, there's no reason why not. First of all, because why not? Why can't girls play with uh, trucks and spaceships and dinosaurs? Second of all, they're a baby. They don't know what's on their clothing. Um, and, and, and that. Um, well, and actually I would say like, that's probably what I would argue is the primary function of like, like very, uh, loud gendered 
like like gender that either in a lot of boys cases explicitly just says it on the clothes or in like girls cases like very very like uh um I don't know if I want to say it this way, but I will like obnoxiously feminine, like, like super, super like uh, signally is, is really just to signal a gender externally. Uh, I, I genuinely think that like people do it so that like random people going like, Oh, what a handsome little guy you got there. Or what a pretty little girl you got there. You know, like people for like strangers who want to comment on how cute your baby is to be able to like gender them correctly without um uh without you have and, and without you having to correct them uh because and this is the kicker for me you can't tell from the outside with babies and yet no one seems to recognize how this extends into older ages like yes and, ah. and, and another and another interesting historical fact with this so this is again a thing that really doesn't crop up until the 20th century uh and prior to that uh it kind of fluctuates a little bit like you know, you know prior to like the 19th century it was more common for babies to be naked part of the time and so you know there was some knowledge there um but in the 19th century largely thanks to victorian movements and the kind of uh you know prudishness of Victorians, um, we start having an, an instance during the 19th century where it's seen as super weird and super creepy and super uncomfortable to remark on the gender of a baby at all in any sort of a way. Like if you referred to, oh, what a handsome little boy, people would be a little frustrated with you in the 19th century. That was seen as creepy. Like, no, it, don't do that. Now, the reasoning behind that was, again, because of Victorian prudishness and like ideas of... Uh, there was an idea that if children's gender was outwardly expressed or visible, that it would cause them to masturbate more and become sexually active more, like, soon, um, which is bullshit and weird and creepy, and the Victorians seem to always just take a wild direction on things. But... Yeah, no, no, I I agree with you on this. Like, you know, the thing with babies is that there is no other way to, like, tell a gender of a baby, and it's fine. Like, of all of the people who are not going to be frustrated if you misgender them, it's babies. Babies don't care if you misgender them. If you say, oh my god, what a beautiful girl, Leo is... If you say, oh my god, what a beautiful girl, my child is gonna laugh and smile at you the same as any other kid would be or I mean, you know, he would do any other thing you might say because they don't like all of this framework isn't developed. Um, and, and I, th I think it's interesting how we get so stressed about that as a society. Uh, like when I was a baby, my mom has told me that she liked to put bows on me because she thought bows were cute and she thought a baby and bows was cute. And I was the only child she was going to have. She wasn't going to have a daughter later on. So God damn it. She was going to put bows on me and people would frequently get frustrated with her and be like, Oh, you can't put bows on him. He's a boy. People are going to think he's a girl. And, da -da 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 -da. and that was her response. It's like, so if they think he's a girl, I'll correct them. Why do I fucking care what random strangers <laughs> think the gender of my random baby they'll never see again? And it's like, yeah, <laughs> why does that matter? It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, a gripe, though, I do have is that with a lot of, uh, well, I, I shouldn't say that I have, that I've heard other parents have, is that a lot of 
girl's baby clothing is really shitty. <laughs> it's super shitty quality uh, because mm. it's made of all of these frilly things and tool and uh, got like glitter and uh, uh, you know, like specifically, I've heard a lot of issues with like girl's baby clothing being covered with glitter and then the entire drawer being covered with glitter and everything being covered with glitter because glitter does what glitter does tool yeah. tearing up in the wash because baby clothes you have to wash a lot because babies spit up all over themselves and pee all over themselves and poop all over themselves it's a bad idea I to have i like dimitri martin's take on this that glitter is the herpes of craft supplies <laughs> yes uh so yeah it, it's it's it, so i i feel it well and also girls baby clothing often comes in smaller, like it, at the same age, it will be smaller than the boys' clothing because as a society, we are so hegemonically determined that girls are smaller than boys, despite babies all being same general fucking sizes. Like they, they, you know, there's obviously a range of length and weight, but we're looking for the same numbers, whether they're a boy or they're a girl. Um, and so I, I've heard a lot of parents of girls being very frustrated with having to always get sizes several sizes up because like a three month onesie is not going to fit a three month baby mm. a three month baby is going to need a six month onesie in boys clothes i've never had that problem like all of our clothes have been pretty on the money and also yeah, been pretty durable I, i've only had you know two um amab you know kids but like uh i haven't had that problem yeah like uh all the all of them seem to fit appropriately for, uh, you know, they're like what it says they're for. So it's very interesting to hear that. Uh, I'm, it's not within my experience to say one way or the other. Um, I do wonder about like, you know, like obviously like with babies, right? Like uh, babies don't care <laughs> uh, about any of that and they aren't really going to process it Uh as long as their parents aren't treating them different or weird because of how their parents are dressing them, which would be strange, but like, um, it does get I, to me like more interesting as the age gets higher. Um, because it's one thing to me to dress your baby boy in a big pink frilly dress and put a bow on him and like not give a fuck what everyone says. Like, that's fine to me. Uh, it gets a little bit um, fuzzier, I'll say, as you get to the point that like your children begin to socialize uh, with other people. <laughs> um, not because I think it's wrong. Like, um, like I don't have any problem with like a, a boy of any age wearing a dress or, you know, a girl of any age, like cutting their hair short and I don't know what other like male signals. Cause you, but like, um, you know, you get the idea. Like I don't have any problem with like defying gender norms in general. Um, what I do have a problem with is people using their children as a mouthpiece without that child's consent um i don't i'll say this like i don't want to either or nor do i want to overblow i don't think that this is like everywhere like i don't think there's like tons of parents dressing their kids in 
gender defying ways and like using them to make a statement or whatever. Um, I don't want to like conservative fear monger here to create a talking point, but I'll just like quickly like say that like you need to, if you're going to, if you're going to send your five-year-old off to kindergarten, who's a boy in a dress, you need to make sure that you talk to your five-year-old and that but they understand that um, the kids in their class, depending on your local culture and stuff like that, like all the caveat aside, like at least for me living in a fairly conservative part of the United States, like if you're going to send your kid off in a gender defying way to kindergarten, you need to say like, Hey, you know, kids might say like, boys can't wear this kind of thing or they might be kind of mean about it or like you prepare them and you get them like it, well, you don't get them. You ask them if they're okay with that. And if they say, no, you don't do it. Um, you dress them in a more normative way and you just have a conversation with them about like, Hey, just so you know, it's fine to wear this kind of thing. I totally get if you don't want to deal with kids being mean about it or whatever, like, but like what you don't do is be like, well, you need to defy you know, you need to understand that like gender is a made up social construct and like this is and, and you need to do this for your own good or whatever. Like, And I haven't like seen like basically anyone doing that. So like I'll just toss it out there for the sake of like just saying it to say it. If like don't your kids need to consent to uh, pushing against hetero using their own experience to push against heteronormativity. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree with you that I haven't really encountered this much. I know it's definitely kind of a talking point of you know some conservatives, um, but is also yeah. In most cases that I've encountered, uh, folks with toddlers or like young elementary children who uh, break gender norms in their clothing, it's usually more a you know it's it's a toddler who has chosen to want to wear something that is outside of the gender norm for them. And the parents are supportive of that. And I'm a hundred percent with that. Um, especially when yeah, they're my youngest went to kindergarten with a rainbow unicorn backpack and a bright pink water bottle, uh, that had, you know, rainbows, and unicorn designs on it. Like he picked and he picked those out himself. And like, I was fine with that, you know, um, I, you know, I don't think that like doing any kind of defying of that is bad or whatever. It's just, you know, informed consent about the potential social consequences of that thing is important. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, and even beyond, uh, and, and, I mean, I agree with that. And I think you did, you know, good and correct things there. Um, and, and I think, you know, beyond sometimes even inform, you know, informed consent is, um, actively well, and in general like whether a kid is you know seeking to do this or not um is you know this is an important point in time to do education on you know what bullying is what it's going to be the type of bullying they're likely to face from within your community from where you live based on wherever you're at um you know the types of perspectives that kids are going to come into school uh from having in the home because of the homes of the you know types of folks who live in your community you know all of those stuff having those kind of open discussions with your kids so that they know what to expect in some sort of form and they know how to react 
to those types of interactions, um, and so they know how to you know protect themselves. And I I mean that not just in a you know if you get in a fight at school, there's how to protect yourself, but like in a emotional protection, how to deal with you know emotionally to deal with all of that going on. I think is very valuable and very you know it, this is a, a good moment for that kind of a learning experience. I definitely you know I, mean, I definitely agree with you and that I think. I would also maybe even take it a step further in that if you are the one as a parent trying to push your kid to define gender norms and to wear the specific thing that is outside of their gender norms that they haven't voiced any interest in one way or the other, maybe that's just don't like, don't, you know, don't push your battles off onto your kids. Uh, and I definitely, you know, I mean, like, this is something I've said, I think, on this podcast, and at least in, you know, some of the what you might call a writer's room of this podcast, is that I think parenting is a revolutionary act. Uh, I think, you know, parenting and using uh, our uh, moment in time as parents uh, to create, you know, more adults who are, um, active in the movement if you will is is a value that parents have like this all of this stuff that we're doing is going to take more than a generation to complete so therefore we have to create some new generations i think all of that is very valid but you don't do that by um just foisting your battles off onto your kids you got to let the, your kids find their own battles and yeah yeah and i i think you you know i i think you uh, voice that very clearly, but uh, for sure, I and, wanted to highlight that. <laughs> and I would say, like, you can, like, I've, I, in my experience, have certainly had plenty of very good conversations about, you know, genders and norms and what does and doesn't make sense in that space with both of my kids. You know, um, I remember my oldest came home once and said that he didn't like, um, he he said, yeah, like, I don't like this this toy or this this thing anymore. And we're like, oh yeah, why is that? And he's like, well, it's pink. It's like, well, what's wrong with pink? And then he's like, well, I was at school and kids said like pink is a color for girls, and I'm a boy. <clears throat> and I was just said, I just straight up said like, well, that's a dumb reason not to like a color. Uh, like colors don't belong to a certain half of the population. Like you can like pink and be a boy. That's fine. I like pink. It's not my favorite color, but like it's I like it and I've had stuff that's pink before and I will continue to like and wear pink and use it where I like how it looks. Like it's not about you don't have to like like or dislike certain things based on your gender. You know, and I said something to that effect to him and he uh went oh huh like kind of thought about it and was like okay um yeah that is kind of silly and then that was kind of the end of that conversation and like we have little moments like that here and there about like some pretty standard stuff and you know without me even really like sitting to having some like long philosophical discussion about like the social constructedness of gender like later i end up having this like uh seven uh, seven or eight year old who's like watching a cartoon and is like this guy just said that like this character just said that boys um, are are like X and that's not true boys can be all kinds of different ways and he's just like saying this and he's just got it in his head like he hears a gender normative statement and he goes and he's got like a bullshit detector that goes like no wait hold on a second like I've heard this before that's not uh, that's not necessarily true 
And like, he's got it in his head and I don't have to do it at all anymore. He just kind of does it himself. And like, sometimes he goes like a little overboard with, uh, you know, with the, the thing or, you know, so there's like little corrections you still make of like, oh, okay, well, you know, you got to consider this element too, or whatever, like adding nuance to his model. But like the fundamental reality is he's got a tool set in his head of questioning things that people just assert are true about genders and that to me is the most valuable thing that you can do as a parent like the the value isn't in making them defy it or like trying to make your kid end up in some kind of like gender space or whatever like expression like both of my kids express themselves as pretty standard young boys um in society as far as i can tell right now uh based on their behavior and how they speak about themselves like they seem to be cishet white guys but like the the reality of of it is is that like it, they didn't they don't need to be expressing themselves in some sort of like alternative way uh, it's a matter of whether or not they in their head have the ability to go, I'm this way because this is how I feel is right for me, not because I feel like I have to be that way. And yeah, I know that that's true for them because I know that when they see the normative types of claims and stuff in media and stuff and, and another like things that they consume, they go, that is bullshit you know, like for lack of a, I mean, they don't say that exactly. Um, <laughs> but like they, they call, they call bluff, you know, on, on that and say like, no, 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 that's not true. And so now, like, now I can have the confidence as a parent that when they're like, yeah, I, I, this is how I want to look. This is how I feel. This is like, whatever. Like, I know they're not doing it because they have to, I know they're doing it because that's how it feels true to them. And that, that if they didn't feel that way, they would know that I accept that kind of thing. Like uh, to not, I mean, to, to avoid going on a rant here, I'll just say real quick. My youngest, like a couple of days ago, came in to the house and like, as a joke, very obvious based on his tone, like as a joke was like, uh, like said something like, uh, um, oh, I'm a girl now. Um. And I just went, okay. And like moved on. And then he was just like followed that up with like, uh, just kidding, I'm a boy still. Like <laughs> and it was like that right there is just like an exchange that sticks in my mind is like, like they'll know, like if that if they come to me and say that in all seriousness, I'll be like, sounds good to me. Like, and that's that's not they're not gonna get pushback or anything and i'm not going to treat it like it's a joke or anything like that like i it's a thing that i'll just say okay and then if that's a thing that they really do feel and continue to feel then like we'll talk about whatever needs to be done in a pragmatic sense from that point forward but like you know point being that in the end to me the best thing as a parent to do is to imbue them with the tool set to question gender and help them learn to apply it properly to the things that they consume and interact with. But it isn't, the goal isn't to produce 
a queer child or a like differently expressing kid, you know, the goal is just to raise a thoughtful and intelligent and intentional person. A hundred percent. And, and I, I mean, a lot of this brings to mind something that I've been told for um, like labor organizing that, you know, one of the most effective things for an effective labor organizer to learn is how to communicate with people about something that isn't labor organizing. Um, meaning that if you're in the workplace every single day and the only thing you fucking talk about is how everybody needs to union up, nobody's going to listen to you. Um, but if you're able to talk about normal human things, just regular stuff and make friends and build communities of friendship and build trust with your coworkers, then when you bring up, hey, let's join, let's make a union, you carry more weight. And I think this is very, very accurate in parenting. And I think this is kind of reflected in a lot of what you're talking about. And it's reflected in an in, in experience I had when I worked in Oklahoma City. I uh, had a, uh, there was a couple of kids in the center that um, uh, I talked with a lot. And um, they, uh, we had a good relationship. Like, you know, they, they seemed to trust me and I didn't treat them like, shit like uh, i'm not saying i'm not saying people there who worked there did but because we were in a very um uh because we were in the community we were in a lot of you know poor and working class kids a lot of people treated these kids like shit and it was kind of a rarity for there to be an adult that treated them with respect and uh you know like as a human and so over time, it kind of built up a, a repertoire with these kids. And one day it came up in a conversation around like a lunch table. Um, one of them uh, had some kind of a pink item of clothing. Uh, like it wasn't a shirt. I think it was just like a jacket that was like had a pink stripe on it or something. And one of them piped up like, you can't wear that. Pink is for girls. You're not a girl. Um, just real shitty about it. And, uh, you know, I, I bought it in and was like, hey, we're not going to do that. Like there's nothing wrong with wearing like i asked him i was like what why do you think that what what's wrong with wearing pink um and he's well my dad says pink's for girls i'm like well, i think your dad's wrong because i wear pink all the time i don't see anything wrong with pink why would a color you know same kind of thing you were talking about why would a color be for you know went through the logic of what's what's the logic here why would a color be specific for girls uh, well, yeah, fine. I don't know. I've never seen you wear pink. I was like, well, all right. Well, I'm going to wear a pink shirt tomorrow. And the next day I wore a pink dress shirt to work. And I was like, see, does this, am I, did I walk in here a girl? Am I suddenly not the Mr. Tom, you know, am I a different dude? Uh, is, did something change here? Uh, no, I guess not. So it seems yeah. kind of silly, right? And like, yeah, I guess it seems kind of silly. And you know, I I don't by any means think that solved this kid's uh uh you know stuff he was getting from home and it, you know, caused him to grow up and become a a a, a you know a, a fighter for trans liberation or anything, but it was at least one little piece of positive input that could not have happened if I hadn't built some kind of a rapport with this kid. If I was just some random strange adult that just dropped in with no trust built with them and was like you know that would have just wouldn't have went anywhere. And uh, I think there's a validity to that of like, you know, even with your own kids, I think it's, you know, as I said earlier about parent parenting being a revolutionary act, part of that revolutionary act is building trust and respect and love with your kids so that 
they have this framework of knowing that you're going to support them and whatever they're whatever they do and that when you give them advice about something like this that it carries more weight than the random kid across the desk from them at school yeah i completely agree well i think that pretty much wraps up everything i had on this topic is there anything else you would like to add this episode or next nope just if your kid's a baby dress them how you want and when they get older, let them dress how they want and, you know, have the conversations as they come up. Don't worry too much about it. It's not ultimately a very complicated takeaway, but, you know, just be prepared for. Uh, and honestly, even though I live in like a very red state, like a very Republican right wing state, like even though my kids kind of like. <laughs> uh very loudly proclaim their progressive values in uh, public spaces. I don't actually get a lot of people coming in to mess with me or anything like that. So like I, I, you know, be prepared for it, I guess, if, if you culturally in a hostile environment, but I think it's mostly fine. People don't like to get in other people's business. Um, anyway. Yeah. I think online discourse has caused us all to picture real world discourse as something different, but I digress. Yeah. Follow us on the online. <laughs> yeah. If you want to, uh, I don't know, I can't think of anything that's super clever here. If you want to be a boy in a dress, uh, you can subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> I don't know. There's no logic there. I, I'm I, I'm not a social media expert. Anyway, patreon.com slash raise some left if you want to support us financially. If you're on YouTube, like and subscribe and share, share and all that good stuff. Uh, if you're on some other system, do whatever the buttons that help. <laughs> do i don't know yep. thank you all have a wonderful morning afternoon evening or whatever other time of day it is thanks <laughs>